Welcome back to Let's Talk About It. Real issues, real talk for real people. On 880 The Biz. So, folks, you've been listening to Let's Talk About it on 880 The Biz and Let's Talk About.info. I want to talk now about what people are calling NAFTA on steroids. Some people are too young to even know what NAFTA on steroids means. You know what steroids is, but you don't necessarily know what NAFTA is. NAFTA was this thing that was passed during the Clinton administration, the North Atlantic Free Trade. I forgot what the A stands for. Oh, my God. I can't believe I did that. But <laughs> the Are you trying to say the North American Free Trade Agreement? The agreement. Oh, my God. Don't <laughs> tell no one. Actually, this is on live radio. I forgot the A stand for agreement. That's the easy part. Yeah, so the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which I actually got completely right, is considered the new NAFTA on steroids. I spoke with Representative Alan Grayson, one of the most outspoken members of Congress, about what the Trans-Pacific Partnership was, and this is what he had to tell us. The current Obama administration effort to expand these so-called free trade agreements to a massive number of new countries that don't have them already. NAFTA was the first free trade agreement. That was the North American Free Trade Agreement between the United States Canada and Mexico. And that's been in effect now for more than a decade. Uh, It was passed under the Clinton administration. That set a pattern of smaller free trade agreements that have been entered into between the United States and roughly a dozen other countries, all of which are rather small countries, many of which are in the Caribbean Basin and Central America. At this point, we have a multi-decade long history of what free trade means to America and whether it's good or bad. There's a substantial effort being made now through the Obama administration, the U.S. Trade Representative, to take the dozen or so countries that have free trade and expand that list to 30, 40, or 50 or more countries by entering into the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Transatlantic Investment and Trade Partnership, which are essentially described as NAFTA on steroids because they apply to so many countries. The TPT would apply to more than a dozen countries on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. The transatlantic partnership would apply to essentially most of the European Union. And before we get to Margaret and David, I asked uh, Representative Grayson why he was opposed to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. My view is that since we do have experience with free trade, so-called free trade, going back to the Clinton administration, what we should be doing is not only rejecting these efforts to dramatically expand free trade, but actually looking for ways to appeal the free trade agreements we already have because they've failed. Uh, they failed in many fundamental senses. NAFTA has led to an enormous ballooning of the trade deficit, an enormous drop in consumer demand in the United States for domestic products, and an enormous erosion of our manufacturing base and our manufacturing employment here in the United States. Every year before NAFTA went into effect, the trade deficit of the United States was less than $160 billion. Every year since NAFTA went into effect, the trade deficit has been more than $160 billion and, in fact, has averaged roughly half a trillion dollars. So things are not getting better. They're actually getting worse, and these agreements would make them much, much worse. So I'm being joined by several guests, but the first guest is Margaret Flowers, who's with Flush the TPP dot org campaign and i just want to ask real quick so what's some of your thoughts about what people can do to stop the fast track agreement that folks are talking about right now sure well first uh people should understand what fast track is the president has asked congress to give him the authority to negotiate the trade agreement and then sign it before it goes to congress and then when it would go to congress they would not be able to make amendments. They would have very restricted debate, and, a, and they would have to vote on it in a short time period. So it really takes the power away from Congress to oversee this agreement and, and you know, use a democratic process to determine 
if it really is right for our country or what the impact of it will be. So um, it's called Fast Track, this Trade Promotion Authority, and both houses of Congress have to vote on it. It's been delayed so far, and, and that's because there's been a lot of um, exposure of it and pressure on members of Congress. So we have to keep that pressure up and make sure that they that they never give the president fast track for this agreement. And, you know, I want to play real quick. Uh, I spoke to Representative Grayson about what negative effects it would have, and I just want to, I want you both to take a listen to this and, and see what other negative effects it could have. Right now, we have trade agreements with what represent developed countries like Canada or middle-income countries like Mexico. These agreements would extend free trade to countries like Vietnam. So our $30 an hour manufacturing workers would end up competing against Vietnam's 30 cent manufacturing workers. Our workers would end up competing against prison labor. Our workers would end up competing against workers who have no right to organize, no worker safety protections, no environmental protections. It's a disaster in the making, and I'm completely opposed to it. So, Margaret, when people say free trade, it's sort of not really free trade, right? It's sort of like fake free trade in some ways, right? What are some of the other negative effects of the Trans-Pacific Partnership in, in your eyes? Well, we call it rigged corporate trade. That's what it really is. It's uh, These agreements work for the transnational corporations so they can make tremendous profits, but they don't work for everyone else. Um, and this agreement is actually much more than a trade agreement. Only four or five of the 25 chapters are traditional trade, and the rest have to do with undermining important laws that protect workers, the environment, and uh, consumers. So, um, there is a recent study that showed that 90% of people in the United States will see reduced wages if the Trans-Pacific Partnership goes through, but the top 1% will see markedly increased wealth. Uh, this will undermine our food safety, both in terms of labeling our foods to know what's in them, but also uh, lowering the safety standards for imported foods. Um, it will undermine our environmental laws because transnational corporations can sue even local governments if they try to ban things like fracking um, in their communities. If those companies want to go into those communities and frack, they can uh, sue the, the communities for loss of expected profits. It will uh, protect the patents of drug companies so that they can keep the medication prices very high. It's going to further deregulate finance. Um, we know that financial deregulation is responsible for the economic crisis that we see. Those are just a few of the of the many things that are concerning. I guess also, if you have a lot of young listeners, they may be concerned about internet freedom. Um, the super provisions are are going to be included in this free tr in this agreement as well. So, and um, speaking of that, we have David Christopher on, on the line. David Christopher is a communications uh, coordinator with Open Media. David, are you still there? Uh, yes. Good evening. So, David, how does this really, how does it affect access to the Internet and, and, and things that are, like, considered online piracy, things that are not considered online piracy, things that are just considered regular access to the Internet? How does this, how does this bill affect access of regular people to the Internet? Well, in, in part, it's, it's difficult to tell because these uh, TPP negotiations are taking place in an atmosphere of uh, near total uh, secrecy, uh, where it seems like the only people who get to sit at the table are the industry lobbyists and, uh, you know, unaccountable government bureaucrats. Um, even uh, members of the U.S. Congress uh, are only allowed to read the TPP in uh, very uh, strictly controlled circumstances. And I know that uh, Congressman Grayson is, is one of the Congress people who's actually uh, 
taken the time to, to read the TPP and see what it actually says. Um, but despite all the secrecy, we do know from leaked uh, drafts that the TPP is going to make our Internet use uh, more expensive, uh, more policed, and uh, even more censored. Um, it basically amounts to, to an Internet censorship uh, plan. Uh, it could criminalize even a small-scale uh, copyright infringement. So, you know, if your kids are just accused of... Um, downloading uh, copyrighted content three times, your whole household could be uh, kicked off the uh, internet. Um, it'll have a terrible effect on uh, deaf and blind people. Uh, it could prevent the blind from being able to read uh, DRM protected e-books. Um, it could prevent the, blessed, uh, the deaf from uh, inserting closed captioning onto uh, a DRM protected DVD. And um, really it's got these uh, draconian um, terms on, uh, you know, on um, copyright policy and on internet freedom, and um, that's why so many people are speaking out. Um, here at Open Media, we, we launched a petition just about 10 days ago at openmedia.org slash censorship, and within a week, uh, over 100,000 people have uh, signed up to that petition um, to call on uh, President Obama and the other uh, TPP leaders to protect the right of everybody to uh, access the internet in their day-to-day -day lives. Because even the United Nations now recognizes that internet access is, is a human right. It's one of the, the best ways in which we can exercise our, our human right to, to freedom of expression. And the fact that these very draconian and extreme and secretive uh, proposals are in the TPP that could see whole families getting kicked off the internet, that's just unacceptable. And that's why, uh, as I say, over 100,000 uh, citizens from across the, the Trans-Pacific region are, are speaking out against this. And so Real quick, we have about two more minutes left before we go to our next guest. Margaret, can you, Margaret and David both, and Margaret, you first. What's one really quick thing that people can do if they want to stand up to this? Well, if they go to flushthetpp.org, they can sign up to get our weekly email blast so we can keep them informed of what's going on, and they can find tools, uh, letters and fact sheets that they can use to contact their members of Congress on the website as well, flushthetpp.org. And David, what's one thing in your mind people can be doing? To, to fight. I think it's so important that we keep the pressure up on political leaders. It's getting to the political level now where it's going to be the leaders of the, of the 12 countries who, who make the decisions. They need to hear from citizens. That's why it's important that people go to uh, http openmedia.org slash censorship. Add your name to the petition because we're keeping world leaders uh, up to date about how many people are signing this petition and they really need to know that so many people are speaking out, speaking out in their uh, tens of thousands to, uh, to put a stop to these uh, extreme internet censorship proposals. Talking to Margaret, Flower, uh, Mar Margaret Flowers, excuse me, from FlushTheTPP.org campaign. And we're also talking with David Christopher from Open Media. Thank you both so much for your thoughts, and let's keep talking about it. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. So, folks, I'm about to turn it over to DeMarie Militieri. You would think if my name was Sabash Katil, I'd be able to pronounce everyone's name right. Everyone's. But it just doesn't happen that way. I, I don't know why. You did pretty well there. You're, you're okay. Yeah, I think so, too. But the one question I had with Alan Grayson before I get to DeMarie is why haven't we heard hardly anything about this? Like, you really have to be really plugged into the online community. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Just until you told me, until you told me about this, um, you know, I, I had not heard about it at all. So 
I can tell you that not that I've been consuming so much, you know, information and media, but it's definitely not on everyone's radar. So I'm, I'm happy to learn about it tonight. And no, me too. Uh, definitely. And I asked, I asked representative Grayson, I asked like, why, why have we heard as much about this? Is this what you had to say? powers that be, the, the real beneficiaries of this agreement, the multinational corporations, are anxious to keep it under wraps because they know that if people don't know about it, that they can play the inside game and they could have lobbyists go to members of Congress and talk to the members of Congress and hand over the $10,000 checks for campaigns and hope that they can win over the members because the public won't know about it. Is it Demery, are you there? I am here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for being on. Uh, we were going to ask you a specific question about genetically modified foods and, and genetically modified labeling and how TPP even threatens that. And the question we have is, how does one bill do so much-ish in the world? Like, how can one bill, like, literally have it affects the air we breathe, it affects the computers we look it's at? It's not even a bill, right? It's, it's like right. It's, it's an, an agreement. agreement, treaty yeah. that touches everything. It's a very, it's a very extensive agreement. It's 450 pages long. And um, between 26 and 29 chapters in this um, ag agreement, and unfortunately only five of those chapters deal with trade negotiation. The rest of it really deals with policy that elevates the multinational corporations to what we call investor state status. It actually gives them more power and control than the participating nations. And this is, you know, we're just scratching the surface today. You could actually dedicate a whole show to all of the different facets of our lives that the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement will affect. And based on what we've seen in past trade agreements, this is not positive. It is not a positive effect. It is detrimental. We lose our ability to choose. So when you talk about genetically modified organisms, you know, there's a whole movement across the country that are very concerned about uh, GMOs in our food supply simply because none of the clinical uh, trials exceed three months. There's no long-term studies to say that GMOs are indeed safe. Right. I mean... 60 uh, countries have already banned or put uh, very severe uh, restrictions on GMOs. And, you know, we're all working very active here in the United States for us to have a right to know what is in our food. Uh, you know, um, the state of Washington will be, they have a proposition that's going before the public, and we hope dearly that it passes, that food will be labeled as, if it contains genetically modified organisms. Now, if the TPP is accepted and becomes law of the globe, then all this work that we've done for our right to know will no longer be um, effective because then Monsanto and their cohorts can come and sue on a national, state, or local level um, against any type of health or safety regulations no. that they deem would be detrimental to future profits. But and, here's what you know, it seems to me. I'll, this I'll... has happened already 
in the past where, I mean, we have already paid out $450 million um, since WTO and NAFTA in uh, claims, and we're looking at another $12 billion so this is impending claims. So this is what's crazy to me. So in this country, we've already had to fight with the fact that corporations are legally considered people, right? And like, right. And, and so they have a lot of the same rights that people do, even though they're not people, they don't breathe, and you can't really put them in jail. You can't put them in solitary confinement for 41 years. Now, this bill, this treaty, and treaties like this seem to then, on top of that, globally give corporations the same power and rights as countries. Am I? Am I is that what I'm reading in all this? What you're reading is actually it gives them more power hmm. than the participating countries. I mean, just think about this. You know, in some areas, our FDA does a very good job in protecting us. Uh, we have strict limits. Okay. Well, when we go ahead and implement the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, um, we, we act, we be re, we're reduced to the lowest common denominator, the nation with the lowest standards. So let's say Vietnam, which we know allows you know, more antibiotics in its food, then um, we will be forced at, as an importer to accept their food. Our laws will no longer take precedent. Mm. That's pretty scary. So our safety of our food supply is directly threatened by the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Our right as consumers to know what is in our food, you know, we've spent years working on labeling, not just for GMO. You know, we've got all sorts of labeling so that a consumer can make a wise decision when they purchase foods. All that can effectively go out the window. Now, two last questions. We, we literally got like two minutes left, maybe three minutes left. So, but two last questions. Real quickly, who wrote this damn thing, number one? And number two, what can we do about it? What's one quick thing you think that we can do about this? Okay, well, first of all, this really has been written by the 600 corporate advisors. Our Congress has had nothing to do with it, even though our Constitution gives sole authority to negotiate international trade uh, to our Congress. So there's a problem there. Uh, what we can do as uh, citizens is what we just did with the war in Syria. We all got on those phones, and we called our Congress people, and we said, no, we don't want war with Syria. And look, it worked. We have to create that same tsunami of concerned citizens calling their representatives, calling their senators, and to say, number one, no on fast track. Fast uh, track is a tool that was started with the Nixon administration that, as Margaret Flowers explained, it bypasses Congress. And, and President Obama has already asked to have fast track reinstituted. So we need to call our representatives, say no on fast track, and then tell them no on TPP. We don't want free trade. We want fair trade. And so what we can do, we have actually opened up a Facebook page uh, called um, Expose the TPP-USA. Um, We've opened up 50 state action groups so people can go on there and find their um, state so that they can work with their neighbors to create an awareness. We have to get people to understand what is going on because right. this has been negotiated in secret. Our neighbors do not know about it. So I want right. to thank you for you know shedding light on this, and hopefully maybe you'll do another whole program on it, because this is probably right. the piece of uh, this deal 
will affect our lives more than anything that has happened in our generation. Thank you so much, Dimuri Mulateri. Did I say that right? You said it right. Perfect, Thank perfect. You. Thank you so much, folks. You've been listening. Let's talk about it on 880 The Biz. Let's talk about it. Info. We're going to put more information about the TPP up on our website in a bit. And we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to us. Peace. Real issues, real talk for real people. 